family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel, it's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, Rick Strawn, the president of Paradigm Security Services. We're excited to be with you once again today on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. In addition to Paradigm Security Services, this show is also brought to you by Sosby's Garage. You heard a little clip on them before you on the intro. Uh, looking for a good mechanic. They are really in need. They are growing like crazy. They're busy like crazy. Good, honest people. 200 Bay Creek Road. Give Big John a call at 678-825-2127. And he'll be glad to check you out and put you to work if you can qualify to work for him. On every show, we feature businesses and organizations and people in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve Gwinnett County. While all businesses and uh, have security issues of sorts, not all are about physical security, and we'll touch base on that and other related aspects of security as we go through the course of our shows. You know, right now there's a lot going on in our county and really in the state. Uh, we've got the elections coming up. Uh, this year, a lot of people, I want to make sure everybody knows that, you know, we have a big election coming up May the 24th. And that's just a couple of weeks away, a few weeks away anyway. And there's a lot of elections on that ballot. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, things going to be into a runoff, but a lot of stuff is final elections on that on that date. And it's really important that not only people vote, but they vote informed, which one of the reasons why I have so many of the politicians and and stuff on this on this show leading up to these elections is because it's really important that you know where people stand and and how they feel and what they think rather than just hearing what mama said or daddy said or brother said or sister said or that's how we've always done it because there's a lot of changes going on in today's world and i think uh probably this election as much as any in the november election People have really been kind of slapped around a little bit, and they really, they want some changes. And we're fortunate enough in our county here in Gwinnett and in the state of Georgia to have some judges that have really been doing an awesome, awesome job. And they can help us through these changes. And that doesn't mean we need to change judges. That means that we need their help changing some of the stuff that's going on. And one of the important people that I'm proud to have on my show today is somebody that I've known for a long time. I uh, went through Leadership Gwinnett right, at, right before she did, and uh, we had a special, special bond there right afterwards when she graduated. 
And Tracy Kaysen, Judge Tracy Kaysen, we're so glad to have you on here. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I know you've got a, your election comes up, and it's on the 24th, and it's not a runoff. It's not anything. It is an election. That's right. That's our general election for judges and other nonpartisan candidates. Exactly. School board, stuff like that. Correct. We're all going to be there. So everybody knows what's going on in the school board. Everybody knows what's going on in our criminal justice system right now today. And we don't need to be changing into a liberal format to where all of a sudden, you know, it's as bad here as it is a lot of the places that you see where our crime rates are pretty good right now. But we have judges in there that are holding holding firm and doing a good job on sentencing and uh, just doing a good job. And, Tracy, you're one of them. Uh, being from law enforcement, I pay attention to the judges. I know a lot of judges, have known a lot through the, through the years. And we've got a special group of judges that are we have right now around Gwinnett County and, and the state of Georgia. And, you know, I want to hear a little bit. I know a lot of people know who you are. Um, fortunately, they know who you are from knowing you, not knowing you on the side of standing in front of you. But uh, you're running again for Gwinnett Superior Court. Correct. And tell us a little bit about first, who is Tracy Kaysen? Well, as you indicate, I am one of the uh, Superior Court judges for Gwinnett County. I have been a judge for the past uh, three years. I was first elected in 2018. But really, the heart of who I am is just a community servant. I have served uh, Gwinnett County for the past 21 years. Uh, of course, before I became a judge, I was a prosecutor and served Gwinnett County, kept Gwinnett County protected. And that was the focus of my career, and that's the focus of who I am. I am a public servant and a community servant. Well, one of the things that I think is, in, is important is, you know, a lot of people, they don't like uh, attorneys that represent defendants, but the purpose of that attorney uh, is to make sure that the state, in fact, proves the case against them uh, beyond a reasonable doubt in order before they actually take their freedom away from them. And the important part of the, of the judge is to be able to listen to both sides and find, you know, when you find somebody not guilty of something, it doesn't mean they're not, that they're innocent. It means that the state didn't do what their job is to prove that they were guilty. And that's where I think your position comes in so important is, is looking at something with a, from an impartial state, but at the same time, you have that background of being a prosecutor, so you're able to the really you really listen uh, what do you think the biggest challenge is when you're sitting there in front of uh, a defense attorney and a prosecutor and keeping that objectivity well that is the key um, is to be objective and no matter what that individual is accused of doing you've got to make sure that their rights are protected and sometimes that's a hard job because um, if the evidence points to the fact that they are in, in fact guilty but something wasn't done correctly mm -hmm. and their constitutional rights were violated then a conviction based on that uh, is not a good conviction and so you have to set aside your emotional reaction to what that individual may have done and look at it just on I've what the make evidence sure. is that's right what the evidence is and was it done correctly was this case done correctly was the evidence gathered correctly um, were that individual's constitutional rights protected 
because if we don't do that as a society, we have no justice. Oh, I totally agree. I've seen judges rule from emotion, <laughs> and emotion is not where you're supposed to be as a judge. And I've seen far too many in the recent years that get elected that go based on what their own philosophies are and their own feelings are. And you just can't do that. You can't do it as a law enforcement officer. There again, you have to put the case together and present Mm -hmm. that case strictly by the law and strictly by keeping their, their rights in mind. Because if you don't, then you're going to lose that case and the guilty person that you know is guilty and everybody in the room knows is guilty is going to walk out. And you don't get doubles. That's right. Well, and oftentimes, I, you know, folks will ask me, well, what do you personally believe about this? And I'm like, it really doesn't matter what I personally believe about an issue because that doesn't come into play in how I do my job. I look at the case, I look at the facts, and I apply the law, whether it's a popular result or not. That's why you have judges, so that we can step back from the emotion of it and make sure that we get it right. We've got to protect our Constitution at all costs because that is the basis of our community and our country. Well, it's the basis for our whole legal system when you really dig into it because those those rights that are laid out there are for a reason. And we have too many people right now thinking that that's just an old, washed-up document that's a living, breathing document that changes on a daily basis. When we really nail that down and have that point of view, in my personal opinion, our country's going to be lost. All right, we've got to protect that Constitution. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned that you were a prosecutor before you uh, were elected as a judge. What did you do back before that? So I've always been a prosecutor as far as an attorney, and I knew that's what I wanted to do when I was 12 that I wanted to be an attorney and I wanted to be a prosecutor. And so I'm very fortunate that I'm one of those few people that I've always known what I wanted to do. I'm doing it and I love it. And I say doing it now, I mean, obviously I'm still in the legal uh, business, but so my entire career was a prosecutor before I became a judge. And of course, before uh, I became a lawyer, I was just a student, just a good old bulldog, you know. Go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to be an attorney going through school. That was what I always wanted to do. Even took three years of Latin. And believe me, if I hadn't been for wanting to be a lawyer, I would have never taken three exactly. years of Latin. But, you know, working in law enforcement, it seemed like every time I would get started in my classes and everything, they would change me to a different shift or a different place. And and I finally gave up on the law end of it and decided just to focus on being a cop. Right. So yeah. that was my legal career was, was doing that for 25 years. Well, what have you been able to accomplish during your first term? So I took office January of 2019. And because I had been in the DA's office, we had to transfer the entire criminal case uh criminal cases off of that docket. So I started getting criminal cases the month before I took office. But you can imagine in exchange for the other judges having to hear all those criminal cases because we couldn't have any appearance of impropriety because I may have handled them while I was in the DA's office. The judges transferred me civil and domestic cases. And you can imagine they probably were not the ones that are easily settled because they'd been hanging around for a long time. So I started my career with over 1,500 civil and domestic cases. Just for some perspective, the next highest judge's caseload was about 675. So I had over twice the amount. By February of 2020, though, right before the pandemic hit, we had been able to cut that in half to 
to 750 cases. And that's just, we just were aggressive about scheduling those cases. We made sure that we were calling them in for trial, for motions, because they were old and they needed finality. You know, these are cases that were divorce cases. So those cases have been sitting there. These folks are in limbo. They don't know what their new normal is. That's not a good relationship to be in limbo. It's not. It's not. Custody cases that need finality. Um, civil cases where businesses have, you know, been sued or are suing because they're owed money. All of these cases were sitting. And it doesn't matter whether it's criminal justice or civil justice. Justice delayed is justice denied. Absolutely. So we were just very um, aggressive about making sure we could get those cases to adjust disposition and get in a position where our cases weren't lagging behind, that we could get them into court in an efficient and a swift manner. And so that's one of the things I'm really proud of, that we were able to get that backlog a little bit under control because, of course, then the pandemic hit. Yeah, I was just fixing to ask you, you got all this going, you got all this moving, you got all this working to catch it up. And then everything slammed shut with the pandemic. How did y'all handle all that? So in Gwinnett, we were very fortunate. We never stopped having court. We did have to shift those first couple of weeks because we all thought, oh, we're going to, you know, kind of shut everything down for a couple of weeks and then 15 days or something. Right. And it'll be fine. Well, as we know, it wasn't. But even during those first couple of weeks, we were still having video court. We were um, having bond hearings, folks where their liberty was an issue. We were having emergency hearings where, you know, the safety of a child in a custody issue um, Mm -hmm. was an issue. So we were still doing work even at the most restrictive time of the pandemic. Of course, then that continued to expand. We had to figure out a way to have court because you can't just stop having court. Exactly. And so we had such a good bench and such a good relationship with Um, Then DA uh, Danny Porter and then later um, the new DA that came in but in the solicitor of everybody working together on the criminal end to make sure that we could address some of these really essential functions in these cases. You know someone's out on bond you still need to get their case heard but it's not as critical as if you've got somebody sitting in jail who hasn't even had their day in court. So we never stopped. Um, Some of our surrounding counties, I think, slowed a good bit more than we did. But all of our judges on the bench were very proactive at making sure we were still moving forward. Of course, it was at a much lower uh, pace than normal. So Mm -hmm. despite the fact that we never stopped working, it still has created a backlog. And it'll take us, you know, a good two or three years at least to kind of work through that backlog to get back to our pre-pandemic caseload and kind of time line that it takes to get a case through the court system. Well, you know, there's a lot of talk today about our court systems, our bail systems and all that. How have you seen, and you're, you're familiar with a lot of judges throughout the system here in Georgia. Have you seen that affect us? Have you seen some of that um, reverse of where they're getting slack on on prosecution um, getting a little too free with in and out uh, like we've seen with the turnstile with a lot of the other states like California uh, New York stuff where it's just like a turnstile where they come in they're practically no bond of any and they're just pushing them out the door so they can move on 
Well, I think we, we have had some some different attitudes as far as bond, particularly because of the pandemic. I think we all had to realize, especially at the beginning when we just didn't know how long this situation was going to last, that we're going to have to change a little bit of our, our attitude. And there may be some cases that, you know, in ordinary times may not have been a bond case, but because of the pandemic and the uncertainty, we had to say, you know, we can't keep we can't keep everyone in jail not knowing when we're going to give them a trial. So everyone kind of adjusted their perspective on that. Now, that's not to say that any judge that I'm aware of did that in a situation where the community would be a danger of a violent felony or a violent offense. Because at the end of the day, no matter of the pandemic or how long we were not knowing if we were going to have jury trials, we still have to protect the community. And every judge on the Gwinnett bench did that. So no one that was a serious risk was given a bond just because of the pandemic. So we were still making sure we were keeping our community safe, but also trying to balance that with, we don't know when we're having jury trials again. And ultimately, we had no jury trials for 15 months. That's a long time. It's a very long time. Well, I'm real glad to hear you say that because that's been my impression. And that's one of the reasons why I said we have a good group of judges here in our county. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of good judges around the state. But the ones that I've seen here in the Superior Court and uh, Solicitor Court, the whole bit uh, here in Georgia in Gwinnett County, seem to have really stayed and done their job and stayed focused. I think that's the key is, is remaining focused on what their job is and taking care of the public. That's absolutely right. We have um, a phenomenal bench that, like I said, um, we were showing up for work every day. Some judges, you know, had a little bit a different viewpoint about whether they were going to do stuff in person or video, but re regardless of which way each judge decided to do it, we were showing up for work every day. I'm one of those that as soon as I could get away from video, I went back to in-person. I think justice ought to be personal. Me too. And I do as little Zoom court as possible. I still do do it because it does enable us to do some things fairly quickly. But I like in-person court. That's the way I can get, you know gauge someone's credibility. You see the movements. You see the facial expressions. You see if they're tense. But regardless of whether it's in person or Zoom, we never stopped. We never stopped having court. And the thing is that the reason why Gwinnett was able to navigate so well was because we had experienced judges. I mean, I was new, but I knew the criminal justice system. And that was kind of what was getting our main focus during the pandemic. Is well, you know, that's one of the most, that's one of the important things you know the system here in Gwinnett County. Correct. And I know that we have people uh, that are that are running right now that they may, you know, have, be lawyers in other places now, but they really, they're, they're just that. They're lawyers in other places. They haven't grown up, if you will, within the Gwinnett County judicial system. So there's a lot of unfamiliarity with that. And I think that that's going to be the biggest challenge if, you know, people need to keep that in mind that right now we need people that are stable, that know our system, and have given us a good record that they can stand on within our county. Well, that's exactly right. What people um, need to understand about judges, we are nonpartisan. 
And we're not policy driven. We don't make policy. We make decisions. Exactly. And so unlike those partisan offices where you're always going to have a policy shift, so there's always going to need to be a change from one side or the other, Mm -hmm. judges are not that way. And so to the extent um, that you can have stability on your bench, that's going to be your biggest strength in making sure that cases are moved through the system efficiently. Because if you have turnover on your bench every four years, you're going to have somebody new having to get up to speed on those cases. They're going to bring in a staff that may or may not know how the system works and how to run cases through the system. When I ran for a seat, it was for an open seat, so the judge was retiring. So certainly there's going to be times that you have turnover on your bench. Mm -hmm. Absolutely it's going to happen. I kept that judge's entire staff. So we never missed a beat in how cases were calendared and how motions were calendared. So there was very little change. had a very small learning curve on that. Correct. So I just had to learn how to be the judge. I didn't have to learn how everything worked because they knew and it was because of having that staff that we were able to cut that caseload that we were able to keep going and that we really didn't miss much of a beat when we did have a switch but that's not the same as if you bring folks in every four years well the pandemic affected us in a lot of ways uh throughout the throughout just everybody's life in general but Within the court system itself, it affected a lot. I know it slowed things down, but do you see any any long-term effects or any effects that are going on right now with regards to the pandemic on our judicial system? Or people's reaction to the pandemic would probably be better. Um, I don't know that it's going to be long-term. I think we're going to be able to come out of it because as quickly as we can, we're returning to kind of pre-pandemic times. Um, I think we had a lot of people try to use the pandemic as an excuse Mm -hmm. not to come to court and as an excuse not to show the court the deference that it deserved. And that's one of the reasons I didn't like Zoom is because you'd have people laying in bed for court. And it's just has nothing to do with me as the judge. It's the system and that showing respect for the court. So I think throughout the pandemic, we've lost some of that because we've gotten a little casual Um, So we've got to kind of get back to where people respect the court and give it deference. But part of that is I think the judges need to get out into the community and let the community know who we are because we're community servants. And if they don't know us, how can they trust us in our decisions? You know, they may not like the decisions, but if you trust and there's transparency in that judge making that decision, you may not agree with it, but you'll respect it. And that's what we've got to have. Well, I think respect is a key word that you hit on. Uh, people not coming into the courts, not having that. It's always better to have it, have a situation like that in your area where you're in charge, not someone laying in their bed because they're in charge. Uh, it takes away a lot of the a, a power of the feeling of it where they start it's a lot easier to tell someone's telling the truth when they're standing in your part of it and your area of of power if you will because i do the same thing as as an owner of a company when i have something that i really want to bring in and discuss with somebody that about something they're not doing 
or something that they did that is really out of kilter that they shouldn't have been doing. I want them in where my where my power base is, which is sitting in my office. I don't want to have it out on the street. I don't want to have it in the boardroom. I want them in my office where that's my 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 area. And I think as a judge, it's important to have them in your area so that when they look at you and they talk to you, you they have a tendency to be more honest, or if they're not, you can really tell when they're not. Uh, you mentioned to yourself body language, eye language, breathing, everything. You can see it. You can almost feel whether they're telling you the truth or not. And that's important. And I, we got away from that a lot with the pandemic. Right, right. Um, what is the most important quality that a judge needs to have, in your opinion? I think the biggest and most important quality is the judge has to be a skilled listener. I am very big on everyone that comes in my courtroom has the opportunity to be fully heard. And sometimes that means letting them go on and on and on about a lot of stuff that's not even relevant. But as a skilled listener and as the judge, I can push away what's irrelevant, use what I need to make my decision, but that person has been heard and they felt like they were respected, that they were given dignity, and that they were able to say their piece. I don't have pretrial conferences with lawyers in my chambers because despite you know, the best intentions of those lawyers to um, relay what was discussed in chambers to their client, something will get lost. And if a client doesn't feel that they like the ultimate outcome, they're not going to trust it or respect it because they weren't a part of it. Mm -hmm. And they've got to be a part of it. Um, So you've got to be able to listen and you've got to be able to give folks the ability to be heard. And that may be frustrating. You may be, sometimes my staff attorney thinks I should not let people be heard as much as they are because we go late in court sometimes. But one of the best compliments I ever received was a gentleman that came in with a custody case. He was trying to get primary custody of his 15-year-old son, and the son had actually filed an election saying he wanted to live with dad full-time. So we had a hearing, and I had the young man come in and testify because he's a young man. He's 15. Ultimately decided it was not going to be in his best interest to live with dad full-time, but he needed more time with his dad. So we tweaked the parenting plan to give him more time with dad. I brought him back in. I explained what I was doing, why I was doing it. And then I asked, you know, does anybody have any questions or concerns? And the father said, you know what? I didn't get what I came here to get, but you listen to me and I respect your decision. And that's what a judge needs to do. They need to listen. They need to respect the folks that are coming in front of them. And they need to be transparent about their rulings and why they're doing what they're doing. Totally agree. And I've also found out through my my experience in the past that when you allow people to just talk and go on, you mentioned a lot of that stuff you just push away. They have a tendency to tell you a lot more than they intend to tell you when they just talk. And it's amazing what comes out that they don't even realize they're saying when you just let them talk. Right. And that's the best way to get to the truth. I, I totally agree with you on that. Um, what would you say that is most important that the courts, really the court needs most important right now? 
Well, I think we've kind of touched on it a little bit before, and that's experience um, and consistency to get us on the other side of this pandemic. We are um, mostly back to full um, operations. We're still having to calendar things a little bit differently, but we've got a huge backlog that this pandemic has created. And like I was saying earlier, when you have turnover, it's inevitably, inevitably going to slow those cases moving through the system. And again, you're going to delay people's lives. You're going to have um, defendants sitting in jail that aren't getting their cases to court. You're going to have custody issues that need to be determined. And you've got kids in limbo trying to figure out what's what's our new normal. When you're trying to decide how are they most safe and all that, and which means they're potentially in an unsafe situation and the longer you wait the longer they stay in that situation that's exactly right and you know cases that i'm hearing now don't take me as long as they did when i first started because i've gotten experience in those cases and i know now what i'm looking for and i know now what i need to be listening for and when you bring in someone that doesn't have that experience again you're inevitably going to slow down and we can't slow down right now there's no time to slow down after this pandemic. Well, you know, as you go through with, you know, a lot of people think, well, they've been through, they've been through school, they've been through college, they've gotten all their degrees, everything. Everybody should be equal at an equal spot when they come out. And to a certain extent, that may be true, that when you come out of, with the knowledge that you've got coming out of your university, you may be basically equal. But where the equality ends is once you go to work where everyone has everyone in every occupation has a learning curve and, and and there's time that it takes to understand fully what they have to deal with and the way they have to deal with it and that only comes with experience oh absolutely i mean i was a prosecutor for 21 years i tried a ton of cases but it is a completely different skill set when you get on the other side of that bench that's exactly right and yeah absolutely anyone that's running for judge has the qualifications as far as being a lawyer and Mm -hmm. and we all you know went to you know we all learned the same stuff in law school Mm -hmm. but you're right you develop different skills Um, you have to look at folks background and um, and then you just have to look at who has the skills now and who's in the best position to continue to make sure that the citizens of Gwinnett County receive efficient and swift and impartial justice. Well, that that experience affects a lot on how you hear things, and you can someone that comes in is fresh from the the defense side or the prosecution side puts that robe on, sits down on that bench. They may hear things totally different than they're going to hear them in a year and a half, uh, and they're hearing the same story, the same story, but they hear things differently, and they hear different parts of it that they know what to listen to, which is where the experience comes exactly. in, which is where your experience on that bench is important. Right, right. So, you know, it, there's been a lot of talk with uh, regards to, uh, and you, you don't know this is coming, but on cards of voting structures and all that and voting integrity and all. Um, your personal opinion, and, and let me just cloak this with, it doesn't matter whether people think that the in, that that election, last election, was legitimate or not legitimate. The bottom line is it's done. It's over with. Everybody needs to move on, and I do mean everybody needs to move on. 
But where do you see that, just that whole process taking us as we move forward in our future with voting? Well, I think, you know, we're all, we're all concerned with making sure that our, our voting is secure. We are also all, I think, uh, concerned with making sure that voting is accessible. I mean, that is one of the biggest um, rights that we have and something that sets us apart from many, many countries in the world um, and is a critical right that everybody has and needs to be accessible. So, I mean, just moving forward, I think it doesn't matter who you are, what party you're uh, you know, a member of, everybody wants secure elections and they want accessible voting you know access to voting so however that needs to happen is what needs to happen going forward right i think people just making i think everybody wants to know that their vote counts and that they were able to vote and that there's not something out here that was put into the system that basically if you have uh the lack of integrity in a voting system really negates a lot of the part where you had integrity Uh, it cancels each other out and so which means if you really want your vote to count every vote needs to be legitimate and so that's where I think that our structure needs to be focused on it's just let's just have the integrity there to where and that's why I'm a big supporter of voter ID and I think that most everyone is a big supporter Uh, that's minorities as well because they want their vote to count and uh, so uh, that was kind of around the, about that. And I don't want to pin you down on your personal thoughts since you're here for other things. But, you know, what else do you think that uh, our system, our judicial system could use from the outside that would help you all better do your job? Well, I think, you know, what's important to me, and I don't know if it's um, going to come from the outside or what, but we've got to make sure that the community knows who the judges are I mean we they need to understand that we are community servants and I don't know that maybe the bench has done a good enough job of doing that um, but we need the community to see us as who we are which is members of this same community that have the same interest in this community that uh, all of the folks that live here in Gwinnett do um, that they need to understand that we're real people that are doing our very best to make sure that we're keeping this community safe. And when I say this community, I mean um, victims of crime, those accused of crime, um, those that are in custody battles, those that are in divorce cases, those that are in business cases. We are all committed to making sure that we are protecting individuals in this community. And we've got to make sure that the community knows that. Oh, I totally agree. And I'll just add to that for one part that, you know, the police officers, they've got to know that the courts, in fact, when they're, when they're doing their job appropriately and the way it's supposed to be done, that they have that backing of that court system as well. And that, you know, everybody, everybody's, list, everybody's listened to, which is exactly what you were saying a while ago. Well, Tracy, it's been awesome talking to you, Judge. I'll call you Judge yeah, Tracy. You can call me Tracy. Uh, we've known each other a long That's time. Right. And I know for a fact what kind of person you are uh, from a personal basis as well as a professional basis. And I can honestly say, in my personal opinion, 
that people need to get out and vote. And my suggestion is where my vote's going to go is it's going to go to Tracy Kaysen. Well, I appreciate that. If anybody wants to get in touch with you and or with your campaign and help you uh, in any way, the time's getting short. It is getting short. And everybody needs to get out there. I know you're going to be out uh, pressing flesh and saying hello and people see you in grocery stores and everywhere else. But what can they do and what's the number that they can contact you? How do they get in touch with your committee? Perfect. Thank you. So we do have a website. It's www.tracycason.com, and that's T-R-A-C-I-E-C-A-S-O-N.com, so tracycason.com. Um, you can contact us through that website. Certainly you can make um, monetary donations, but honestly all of that is just going to the vote. Everything is designed to make sure we get folks out to vote, and so – Early voting starts May 2nd, so it goes 2nd through the 20th of May. You can go early. There's eight different locations throughout Gwinnett County. You don't have to go to the one closest to where you live. You can go to any of them. And then, of course, May 24th is is that, D-Day. Is the D, it's exactly that's what I was about to say. Um, it is the final election for judges and for school board. If you want to have a say in either of those races, you have to vote in this primary election. Uh, again, I'll stress it's you know, it's absolutely important that people vote, but it's just as important that people vote informed. Correct. And I appreciate you for coming on today and informing our listeners of what your thoughts are and where your stand is on uh, our criminal court system. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your service. Well, I want to thank you for joining us on Case in Point and presented by Paradigm Security Services and in part by Sosby's Garage. Be sure to join us for the live broadcast every Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. here on Business Radio X. If you miss the live broadcast, no worries. You can enjoy the show anytime you want by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then click on, of course, Case in Point. This program is also available on iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, really wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts. Please be sure and hit that subscribe button to Case in Point so you don't miss any of our future episodes. For my guest, Judge Tracy Kaysen, and our producer, Mike, and I see Amanda back there today. I'm Rick Strawn, and remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets. <laughs>